This is the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast, and I am Mike Riccio, longtime personal trainer, professional strength coach, gym owner, and most importantly, a devoted modern father and husband. I've been fortunate to learn under some of the most intelligent minds in health and fitness over the past 15 years, as well as work with amazing clients and athletes. What I've most fallen in love with over the years is the power we have over our lives, the power to decrease risk of disease and injury, the power to reach our true potential, the deep abilities the body is capable of when all aspects of health are working simultaneously. On this podcast, you will learn the importance of preventative health and how to optimize your habits to optimize your life. All right, listeners, current and future, this is your host, Mike, and today I am solo. It is just me and you, and to be honest, this is kind of terrifying. You know, I've had a handful of people since I've started this podcast ask me when they were going to hear more from me and when I was going to do more of an informational episode and hear more about my thoughts and my opinions on things because, uh, well, the people who have said that have are normally coworkers and clients and family and people who hear me talk quite often. And, uh, you know, I've always said that I would save something like this for the occurrence where maybe I don't have a guest. I've tried to be very picky about who the guests are on this podcast, people that I thought could bring a very high value, could bring takeaways. And I'll get into that more about, you know, what, what my goals are for this podcast. But, you know, the truth is I, I didn't know when I was going to do something like this. And this week happens to be a week where I had to reschedule a guest I'm excited about. Don't worry, he's still coming on next week. And I found myself in a situation where I don't have an episode. So today is as good of a time as any to sit here by myself and talk to you and tell you a little bit about myself for those who who listen, who don't know me, who aren't my friends and family and, and colleagues and peers who aren't listening out of support. So for the other hundred or some of you that uh, have listened so far, one, thank you. And two, uh, I'd like to to dive in a little bit to myself. So I have told myself that I will not stop and edit and start recording again as I tend to do with my my social media posts. You know, it's funny, I, I can talk to guests all day long. I can be interviewed all day long. But if you get me alone with the camera, if you find me trying to do a post on Instagram or, or Facebook or something, I, I probably stop and delete and re-record about a hundred times before I, I feel like I got something right. So Doing something like this is, is one of those scenarios where I feel like I'm going to rethink it and, and want to restart it a million times. So I'm not going to do that. So you are getting me fresh and honest and whatever I end up saying, I say. So let's dive in a little bit here. Who am I? So my name is Mike Riccio. My education is in exercise science and exercise physiology. So how I got there is, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'll call it an interesting story, but, but maybe to you it will be. You know, I was an overweight child. You know, it's kind of the classic story. I was a very blessed child. I grew up with two amazing parents who loved us and worked so hard and did everything they possibly could to give us the best life. And, and actually, further than that, I was blessed to be raised by a community. I am very traditionally Italian. My aunt and uncle lived two houses away. My grandparents lived two houses away from that. So, you know, within six houses... We're, we're a community of people raising each other. So, you know, my dad, a cop, my mom and my aunt, both are nurses. My grandparents were Italian immigrants. And between the four of them, they took care of the six of us, my brother and my sister and I and my, my three cousins. 
And living in a community like that, it, it taught me a lot. So I have a very high value for family. I have a very, very high value for uh, a support system. I have a need for a support system because that's all I've ever known is, is how, how, to, how to always have support. And in a way, I've always had a safety net, right? When you feel like you have six parents, there is a lot of room for mistakes because someone's going to catch you. Someone's going to take care of you. Someone's going to probably catch you before you make a lot of mistakes. And it wasn't until my adulthood where I really started realizing that I had to be, well, had to be an adult, had to take care of myself and had to be responsible for my own actions. And these are things that I'm learning on the fly. But to go back to what led specifically to this podcast, I was overweight. And, you know, my, my mom, my aunt will always say that I wasn't, but the pictures say otherwise. But being overweight came with a long list of lifestyle consequences. You know, I grew up insecure. I grew up second guessing myself at all times. I grew up avoiding being in the spotlight and avoiding doing anything that might be a unique thought because I always thought I would be questioned and end up humiliated because I thought I was under this lens of humiliation at all times anyway. I thought everyone was laughing at me, that everyone was always looking down on me. And, you know, sometimes that was the case. Sometimes I, you know, the actions from other, from my peers would say that, that was the case, but most often that was probably in my head. But regardless, it led me down a path of insecurity that took me a long time to get out of, and maybe I've never gotten out of it. You know, some of that still exists in my life today. Being overweight and, you know, not trying in sports, not asserting myself in situations, not asserting myself in conversations. You know, I'm very lucky that I ended up with the tight-knit group of friends that I did because they really could have gone down a bad path. And again, that goes back to my support system. I was very lucky to always feel supported at home, which, which probably kept me at bay. But if I didn't have that, I'm not sure where I would have ended up. So I get through high school and I'm a, I'm a terrible athlete through high school. I'm absolutely just, just terrible, both from a security standpoint, from a work ethic standpoint, from everything standpoint. I, I played it all. I did it all. I was on the teams. I played football and I played basketball. And you know, I, the truth is I was probably good enough to, to get through a lot of those sports, but I wasn't confident enough to ever make an impact. And it wasn't until later that I would play any high-level amount of sports, and it was, I'm grateful to have done that. But uh, that's besides the fact of today. So because of my support system, I would make it through. I would make it through high school, and I was, uh, I was lucky enough to get into college and to start being on my own and start figuring things out. And, you know, I'm a big believer in connections because of everything I'm about to say, but my very first night at college, Carthage College up in Kenosha, I loved, loved, loved that school. I'm so grateful for my, my only one year there. But my very first night, I met a roommate who would be so incredibly influential to me the rest of my life. And this roommate was a freak of an athlete. He had a freak of a work ethic. And the second day we were there, he woke me up and he said, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to the gym. You're coming with me. It wasn't a question. There was no, do you want to come with me? It, he wasn't taking no for an answer. So he got me up and he dragged me to a gym. And to go back for a second, I had just spent four years avoiding the gym. I was so insecure in high school that I didn't want to lift. I wasn't as strong as the other guys. I questioned my, I didn't even question form. I didn't know what form was at that point. But in the gym, I sat in the corner and I did everything I could to stay away from everybody else. So that was still ingrained at me. This guy looked like he was right out of a magazine. 
I didn't want to go to the gym with him. I didn't want to look like an absolute fool next to him. But you know what? He didn't care. He didn't care. He just wanted a buddy to lift with. So we went, and from the very first second I started working out with him, it was this unbelievably supportive experience. He never questioned my weights. He didn't care how I looked in my probably really baggy hiding t-shirt as we worked out. All he cared was that someone would work hard next to him because he needed that motivation. He wasn't trying to be motivating to me. He wasn't trying to change my life. He wasn't trying to put me on this path of fitness, but he did. And five days a week, six days a week, we would go to the gym and I'd want to throw up every day. And that's not a goal of me as a coach now, but at the time I was so deconditioned and he was so well-conditioned and I was so embarrassed. I didn't want to let him down. So I would push myself so hard just to keep up with him every single day. And I learned what work was. I learned what my limitations were. I learned what it meant to be at my own physical and mental potential. Most people gain weight in college, right? Most people gain, you know, the the freshman 15, as they call it. I lost weight drastically. I put on weight. I put on muscle weight so fast. I gained strength so fast. I was this whole new person. And I went to college alone, alone. I was supposed to go with a buddy of mine who's going to play basketball there. And last second, he got a better offer from a different school. So he didn't go. So I went alone and I wanted to walk on the football team all of a sudden. Like there were things that all of a sudden I had this confidence to do because I didn't go there with someone. I went there to reinvent myself. I purposely did not want to be around anyone I knew because everyone I knew at the point was, was insecurity. That's all I knew. So one of the best decisions I ever made was going to school alone because it really forced me into learning about myself. And if it wasn't for my very first interaction with someone there, I don't know if I would have, at least not to this level, not to this life-changing level. So I owe a lot of where I am today to, to meeting this person. And I'm avoiding the name on purpose because, you know, out of, out of privacy and to someone that for other reasons we haven't talked in a while. But if he ever listens, he knows who he is and he absolutely changed my life. I mean, he's the first person that I can say was, was a true mentor to me. And I really appreciate everything he did for me because at this point I am confident. Maybe not completely confident, not free of insecurity, but I like who I was in the mirror. I liked my friends. I believed that I was an equal amongst my circle. And my friends in high school didn't make me not feel like an equal. I don't want to say they didn't because those are still my best friends to this day. But it was me who held myself back in that circle. And for the first time, I was not holding myself back. So this person really, really, really made a huge difference in my life. Now, Carthage doesn't work out. For whatever reason, I just, you know, it... People were leaving and it ended up not being the right situation for me. So I go back home. I go back home and now I don't know what I'm going to do. Because at this point, I'm a confident person, but I'm still not a fitness professional. My degree at this point is a business major. That's what I think I'm going to do with my life. I had no idea what a business major was. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. It just sounded like something that would bring me money one day. It sounded like something I should probably do. I just didn't know. I didn't have any direction. So I'm enrolling in schools from home and I'm living with one of my best friends to this day. And I get an opportunity, you know, this, this guy's playing football. He's playing for a semi-professional football league. And, and he says, let's go try out, you know, so he's noticing that I'm a different person than I was before I left for college. And in years past, there's no way I would have said yes, no possible way. And I'm still not confident I can make the team, but I go, I go and I say, why not? 
because this is the new person who I'm all of a sudden realizing I am. So I go and I try out and I make it. I make it and I get to play and I get to play football. I spent four years in high school watching other people play football, wearing a helmet, getting killed at practice, hating, hating the work. Really, it was just the image of saying I was on a football team, but I was a terrible high school athlete. Now, all of a sudden, I'm playing and I'm on the field and I'm matching up with guys. And this league was no joke. We had guys that played collegiate division one football, professional football, and now ended up playing with these leagues right next to me. And I got to line up next to these guys. I got to be in huddles with these guys. I got to play against these guys. It was the most fun I've ever had in sports, bar none. And it was short-lived. After a couple of years, I, I realized that I needed to do something with my life. I needed to go back to school. I needed to find something. But it was a confidence boost. I realized that it's not too late for things. And this is a message that has stuck with me. You know, if you would have asked me my freshman year at Carthage, even while I was still there, in what scenario could I ever put football pads on again? In what scenario can I backtrack to something that is clearly in the past? I'm going to make a fool of myself. Why? I just can't, right? But then I did. And I realized I could. So since then, I've realized it is not too late. I can do things when I am ready to do them, when I want to do them. It was a really, really important thing for me. So it ends, and my buddy Mark is working for a gym. He's working for a gym, and you know, this is a guy that I would stand up in his wedding one day, and, and if I had any groomsmen, he would have stood up in mine. I'm the godparent to one of his beautiful daughters, and I'm watching him one day while he's working in a gym, and I'm watching him with a client, and I'm realizing, like, oh my God, like what a cool thing. He is sitting there, and I'm, I'm watching him help someone. I'm watching the confidence. I'm watching him push somebody to a limit. And that is the first time I realized maybe this is a career choice for me. So we start talking and I realized that he's in school and he's in school for an exercise science degree. I didn't know that was a thing. I had no idea that that was an option. Again, at this point in my life, I know college is important. I really didn't know. I didn't know what to do or what path or, or where it could bring me. So he introduces me to this world and I go and I talk to my parents. And I say, okay, I think I've got an idea. The supportive parents that I have, enroll me in school and I take my first course. And my very first course is a biomechanics course. This is at Concordia University in River Forest. And I'm with Professor Walsh, Dr. Sue Walsh now, who is the third person that I will call a mentor to me in this story. And she is talking about how the body moves and she's talking about physics. And she is linking to me all the sciences that I've ever learned that again, I just got by. I was not a good student, just like I wasn't a good athlete in high school. I just got by. I was lucky. I was probably blessed enough to say that I could put in minimal work and get B's and C's. And that was a student that I was. But now all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm linking the importance of these courses that I took in high school to the way the body works now. And it is fascinating to me. It is fascinating to know that different angles of the body and different mechanisms and how the muscles work and the connection to the brain and these concepts that, again, were so beyond my thought process at the time. And now all of a sudden, I am hooked. And immediately, immediately, I know this is what I want to do for a living. So I take that course. I take anatomy and physiology. I go to cadaver labs and I get to look at the human body and, and really see anatomy, real anatomy in front of me. And that time at Concordia would cement 
what I thought I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And that would be it. Now, being the, the young person that I was, I realized that I still want to be away at school. So at this point, I'm home, I'm near my parents, and as much as I love them, I'm craving that independence that I had when I was at Carthage. So uh, you can see the trend here in my, both my wife and my mom like to make fun of me often for the tour, they call it, the college tour, because I would end up at five between community colleges and online courses and my business degree time and all that. So I ended up taking, <laughs> taking quite the, the path. But I had uh, my cousin, my first cousin who lived next door to me, so more like a brother, my cousin Eric, was at Eastern Illinois and I go to visit him and the lifestyle was was something that I was not having right now and I wanted it and I look into it and boom, they have this unbelievable exercise science program. So I put more work than I have ever put in my life into a presentation for my parents. I needed to convince them that it was time for me to go back to school and that I should go away. This is probably also the first time I realized that I'm a decent salesman because uh, it worked. And the, again, supportive parents said, okay, we filled out my application. And the following semester, I was packing up a car and taking off and moving in with some guys I didn't even know down East Illinois. I had friends from high school that were there. My cousin was there, but I was living with just a completely random group of guys. And over the course of the next few years, I would finish my undergrad and I would be asked back to be a grad assistant for a one-year exercise physiology program. And I would earn most of the credits towards my master's outside of a stats class, which has haunted me forever. But eventually, I would finish that also. So I end up with a degree. And to speed up this part of the process a little bit, I end up working for just a string of good people. I, go, I start my career with a company called Athletico, who primarily does physical therapy. And I work under... Two guys named Will and Jim who are just geniuses in the field, and they, they teach me the ins and outs of exercise rehab, post-rehab, and strength conditioning, and working with athletes. And I get to work with, you know, I get to assist some of these coaches and work with teams like the Chicago Fire and Dominican University Soccer and all these surrounding high schools and athletes, and as well as general population. I get to see people lose weight. And it was such a cool, cool experience. And I'm so lucky because this field is surrounded by so many people with so many opinions. And I am really lucky to have gotten to learn from two people who are so rightfully intelligent in the field because they put me on the right path. So, you know, Will and, and Jim, I've, I've thanked you guys in person often, but on here, I'll tell you right now, thank you. Thank you to those guys because they have gotten me to where I am today. And that'll go on to work for a host of other companies. I've learned a ton. Equinox and Export. And these are, you know, big high-end mainstay gyms here in the Chicagoland area. And I've gotten to work with hundreds, hundreds of fantastic clientele and athletes. And I've gotten to do everything. I've gotten to help people lose weight, get stronger, decrease pain, decrease tightness. And at all these places, I've gotten to work next to phenomenal trainers who all valued continuing education. And that's something that I've, that's really important here is that I have been just a sucker for learning something new. And in my episode with Michelle Bowen last week, we talked about, you know, sometimes you need to reel in the education a little bit and, and not go overboard on it and make sure that it is being used and you aren't just a collector of education. And while I completely agree still, I am glad that for a big part of my career, I did branch out and I did learn about a lot of different things because it helped me to really fall into what I wanted to do. So continuing education has been so important. And that probably leads me to where I am today. Right now, I am a business owner. I own a gym in Downers Grove, Illinois. I have a, a phenomenal business partner, 
Ryan Labanyak, who is an absolutely brilliant, brilliant trainer. I learned more from him than I've learned from anyone else in my life. I've got a phenomenal staff. I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful for this community. And COVID hits. So as we speak right now, it is October 11th of 2020. We are deep into the COVID pandemic. And COVID's terrible and it's taking lives. But if I look into why I started this podcast, there's a lot of reasons I wanted to. COVID provided me the opportunity to do so. And I feel bad saying it that way. I do because again, COVID has claimed so many lives and businesses and caused so much stress. And it's been such a negative. And I would much rather have not had it at all. But if it was going to happen anyway, I am grateful that I had the attitude to where I said, I'm, I'm going to use the time that I had efficiently. We had to shut the gym down. And we stayed as active as we could. And we did virtual sessions. And we stayed active with members. And we really did everything we could. As a staff, we met three days a week virtually. And I spent a lot of time with my kids. That was a huge benefit. But I did not want to walk away from that feeling like I didn't take advantage of time that I never have. So I did a few things. I did a few continuing educations that I haven't done for multiple reasons, but I went to TPI and I got certified in golf strength conditioning. I went to PRI, Postural Respiration, who is someone that my business partner, Ryan, again, is deeply educated through. And I've always been fascinated and impressed by his education. So I took a couple of their courses and I started the podcast. Starting the podcast means a lot to me. It is something that Honestly, I wasn't sure if it would be for a forever thought, if it would ever actually become a real thing. But it's, it's been a passion idea for mine for a few reasons, but let me tell you why. The main reason, if I'm going to go back and look at the main reason this podcast is a thing for me in my life, in 2012, my now late father is diagnosed with a stage four brain tumor. And I hope never one ever has to experience what we had to experience as a family. But he goes into the hospital for what he thought was an eye problem. He was having flashes. The next day I'm called to come to the hospital and a doctor comes in and, you know, we don't love the, the bedside manner of this doctor, but he told it how it is. He gave us the, the diagnosis and my dad asked how long he had and he looked us straight in the eye and he said, you have a year. He didn't want to answer the question. And he probably didn't have to. And at the time, I was angry at him for answering the question. But my dad asked, and he wanted to know, and the guy told him. And he was right. It was 18 months. He had a little longer than he said he had. And throughout those 18 months, my dad would go through, I believe it was three, three surgeries to try to remove this brain tumor. And it was a fight that, at the time, deep down, I thought we would win. Why? Because at that point in my life, I had never experienced major loss. I had no reason to believe, you know, it was losing him felt like something that was impossible, that it just wasn't, this wasn't a real thing. This stuff doesn't happen to me. You hear about people dying of cancer, but I've never seen one. I don't know what that looks like. You know, I had a grandmother who had emphysema, but she smoked her entire life. You know, there was, there was things that I connected with that, that I couldn't connect with my dad. And, you know, 18 months later, he was gone. And the worse it got, the more I started diving into things, the more I started diving into why. Why did he get cancer? Why was he dying of cancer? And I started realizing lifestyle. You know, lifestyle was a thing. And I guess I wouldn't say it was a completely foreign thought, but again, it's the impact. It's the impact that we don't realize until, as I've said very often lately, until we're punched in the face with it. 
So you have a reason to see it as an important thing that you should know about. And I start looking at things like stress and nutrition and sleep. My dad at the time was chief of police, but my entire life, my father worked four jobs. He slept very little. He saw his family very little. He was stressed all the time. Love him like none other, but he was in a bad mood most of the time. And I get now why he was in a bad mood. And I hated it at the time. And there are things I wish I could tell him now that I didn't while I still had the chance, but he was in a bad mood because he wasn't sleeping. He was in a bad mood because he was stressed. He was in a bad mood because, because the nature of his job was a stressful scenario that brought him into a bad mood. When he did see us, you know, it was, it was for two seconds at bedtime when he came in to say goodnight. It was, you know, for two seconds in the morning when we said we were leaving for school. And then for a few hours every weekend, he had to get things done. So we only knew him as the guy that was making us mow the lawn and shovel the snow and do stuff around the house. And, and this was the relationship we had with him. So now, can I say without a shadow of a doubt that if my dad's lifestyle was different, he wouldn't have still gotten the brain tumor. Of course I can't. And I'm not trying to claim that. And I've had the benefit of, of talking to many medical professionals over the years because of what I do for a living. And eventually I'd become a speaker for Northwestern University. And you know, uh, thanks to an old client, I got a handful of, of opportunities to do things like that and speak at these um, continuing education events for doctors. And while all of them agree, they say, Mike, you can't say that anything would have changed if he would have had some, you know, this, this perfect lifestyle where if he would have ate perfectly and slept more and been less stressed. But then I've turned, I started turning around and asking a different question. I said, yeah, but can you tell me without a shadow of a doubt that he couldn't have avoided this brain tumor if his lifestyle was different? And the answer is always the same. The answer is always no. No, Mike, we can't say this, that this wasn't avoidable, that maybe just maybe he could have avoided it. And that maybe is enough for me. That maybe is motivation enough for me to not only make changes in my life, but to also help you make changes in yours. So since then, I'm not even going to say I'm dedicated because that's not the right word because that makes it sound like it is work for me. Since then, the only type of education I've wanted has been preventative type of education. I want to learn how to decrease the risk of injury. I want to learn how to decrease the risk of disease. I've just, I've not been interested in fiction. I don't like reading fiction. I don't like, I really like watching TV that isn't, isn't educational. I do it. I'm not claiming to be someone that sits there and just learns all the time. My wife and I watch junk TV just like anybody else. But the vast majority of the things that I do when I'm not running my business or with my kids is learning about prevention and learning about things that would help this podcast. And again, it's become just a fascination happened, but I, I wish every day that the fascination didn't have to come at the expense of losing my father. That the fascination was a fascination by itself. And, you know, that's okay. It's, it's unfortunate. I wish that wasn't the case. But if my loss can help others, then I want it to. If my newfound passion, you can call it, can help others, then maybe it is a duty of mine to do that. And that's where this podcast comes from. And that's why I'm, I'm doing this today. And that's why I'm, I believe it's 12 episodes deep into this. And I'm really enjoying it. And I'm enjoying the, the guests that I've had to have on. I'm enjoying searching for new guests. I'm enjoying the education I'm getting just by looking at new guests. Because while I'm looking for who is appropriate to have on this podcast, I am just being exposed to so many more details and variables that are out there. I'm watching different documentaries. And you know, there's just so much that comes with prevention and living better and being better. And that's the other side of this podcast. That's the other side of it that I haven't spoken about yet. There's the disease and injury prevention side 
but there's also this coexistence with everything that it takes to possibly prevent disease and possibly prevent injuries. Doing all those things that it takes for that also just makes us better day to day. It makes me a better father and husband. It keeps me in a better mood. It makes me make better decisions. It makes me a better coworker. If I want to be successful, if I want to go back to school and get my PhD and I want to do all these things later in my life, for me to have the daily focus, to put in the daily work that I would take to do those things, I need to practice the same daily health habits that it will take for me to also live longer so I can see my grandchildren, avoid things like dementias and diabetes and heart disease and all these things that, that again, I'll get into a little bit more of this in a little bit, but it's the same list of stuff. So why should you listen to this podcast? For every reason. Do you want to live longer? Do you want to feel better day to day? Do you want to prevent disease? Do you want to lift more weight? Do you want to lose weight? Do you want to get a promotion next month? Do you want to start your own business? I don't care what your reason is. I don't care what your goal in life is. It will become significantly easier if you are the best physical and cognitive version of yourself every single day. And that's what this podcast is about. Realizing your potential through daily habits, decreasing risk of injury and disease through daily habits. That's what my guests should bring to you. So that is one of the goals of this podcast. Every guest should give you takeaways. You should walk away from every episode with two or three things that you could put into practice in your life. And I want this to be a very high spectrum, a very broad level range, I should say, of subjects. Fitness and health, the environment, environmental toxins, radiation from your phones, genetics and genealogy, everything, 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 everything from all corners of health and fitness and lifestyle I want to bring to this podcast. And I'm spending time every single week seeking the right guests that are willing at this point to be speakers on what is right now a very small podcast. But as this grows, I want to get more impactful guests on that can help you more and more and more and more. So that is the goals. That is the goals of this podcast. Let's look at some stats. I'm not sure how long this is going to end up being, but uh, bear with me for now. I'm kind of going random here. Let's look at some stats. And I'm going to start with, well, let's look at the diseases that, that are around in the United States and the world. And you know, when I was in grad school, we looked a lot at what's called risk stratification. So someone comes in and we take a history on them and we take certain biometric measurements. So heart rate and blood pressure, and those would tell us a lot. But there were other things that were listed as risk factors for all these diseases that I'm about to talk about. One of them was being sedentary. If you don't move, you are at risk for disease. That's it. Our body is made to move. Our body has to move. Movement is health. How we take in nutrients, how we metabolize. It's not just about burning calories. I think, if anything, I want to get away from that. Yes, burning calories is important, but not for the reason you think it is. We are not just trying to shed and lose this negative thing. Everything in our body is a positive at some point. The reason that calories and stress hormones and acids. There's reasons that these things are all a part of our body because at one point they are made to help us. They're defense mechanisms. But having these things in our system for long periods of time are detrimental. Sitting for long periods of time, not just sitting, not moving for long periods of time 
day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, is what is killing us. One of many, many things, but probably the leading cause. So if you come in, you tell me you have not moved. You have not done any active type of movement. And it doesn't have to be the gym. Okay, we're talking about movement in general. Exercise was created to counteract technology. That's the truth. Because before technology, people had to move. We had to walk to get to certain places. Okay, we had, at least we had bikes at one point. We had to do our own work around the house. We didn't have, or this were reasons to sit. It's not that we had to move around. There was no TV. There was no computer. There was no smartphone. There was no couch. And there were chairs, but not comfortable ones like there are today. There weren't these reasons to sit for long periods of time. And because there are now those reasons, those excuses to not move, exercise had to be created to offset it. So when I say sedentary, it's not that you have to be hitting the gym specifically. It's that you have to just be a mover. You have to walk your dog for a few miles a day. You have to, there, there's something has to be, some type of locomotion has to happen every day for you to at least do the baseline to fall under some of the risk factors that give you the chances of getting a lot of these diseases and injuries that we're about to talk about. So being sedentary is part of a disease. It's an onset of disease. Look at heart disease. Heart disease is the leading cause of death in the world. Someone dies every 36 seconds from heart disease. One in four deaths, a quarter of the reason that anyone dies is because of heart disease. Let's think about the heart. Let's think about the, the cardiovascular system. It is a muscle. It's your most important muscle. And if it isn't worked just like your bicep or just like your quads and your hamstrings, it will weaken and it will lose functionality and the body will stop using it well. Heart disease comes from not moving. Are there other reasons? Of course there are. And that's a disclaimer for everything. I am not claiming that living a better life will completely make your risk of disease obsolete. I am not claiming that genetics don't play some type of part in you getting disease. Of course they do. Of course they do. But even if you do have a genetic predisposition, that doesn't mean that living a healthy lifestyle wouldn't decrease your risk of still getting said disease. Genetics are not a guarantee of disease. Just like good genetics are not a guarantee safety net that you won't get disease. Living an unhealthy lifestyle will give you the chance of getting a disease even if you come from a genetically phenomenal gene pool. Diabetes. Diabetes has doubled in the last 20 years. Doubled. There are not many diseases as much as diabetes that are directly medically confirmed to be from lifestyle. Are there genetic components still? Again, of course there are. Of course there are. But as the seventh leading cause of death in the United States, the majority is from lifestyle. What we eat, how much we move, how much we don't move is going to play a big role in the major type of diabetes. When you look at diabetes, you look at the fact that diabetes normally doesn't come by itself. Those with diabetes are normally what's called a comorbidity meaning those with diabetes normally also have some type of cardiovascular or respiratory issue as well. Why? Again, because it doesn't come from itself. Because if your unhealthy lifestyle has caused you to get diabetes, then the same unhealthy lifestyle is also going to plague other systems in your body. Lower immune system, lower cardiovascular health, lower respiratory health. Stroke. Every 40 seconds, someone has a stroke. 
stroke is the number one leading cause of long-term disability. Are strokes completely accidental, completely random? No. Can they be? Sure. Absolutely, they can. But we can decrease the risk. Respiratory diseases. If, if you look up respiratory diseases, that is the one that, like, like diabetes, is medically claimed and linked to environmental lifestyle. Pollution, dust, occupational chemicals, occupational diseases, and again, lack of movement are parts of the reason that so many people suffer from respiratory diseases. And the scary part there is that the CDC will tell you that most respiratory diseases are not reversible. They can be lived with, they might not be fatal, but they are not reversible. Dementia. Dementia is another one that hits home for me. You know, I've watched two grandparents now and other relatives as well suffer from scary levels of, of Alzheimer's and dementias, not remembering our names, not knowing who they are, not knowing who's alive or not. It's a scary, scary disease. And if you dig into the, the stats on dementia, one, there's a 20-year non-symptomatic shelf life, meaning that by the time dementia becomes symptomatic, you start seeing someone suffer from the known symptoms, forgetfulness, they can't find their words, loss of cognitive ability, or the more scary ones that I just said, that's, it's been there for 20 years already. This isn't new. It didn't just pop in at age 67. It was there at 47. It just wasn't symptomatic yet. And if it was there at 47, it was probably because the 10 or 20 years before that might have led up to that. It is not a normal part of aging. From the WHO itself, there's a quote from the World Health Organization, dementia is not a normal part of aging. Often it is attributed with older individuals and people assume that it's something that eventually you would run into, and that is 100% not the case. And though there are some that will get it no matter what, upwards of 80%, and again, all these stats that I'm getting are not my own. They are from the CDC, the WHO, cancer.gov. I made sure that I only took the stats that I would use today only came from credited government organizations. Upwards of 80% of dementias are preventable. And this is from the medical community. It's, it's a big amount. But we cannot start caring about this at age 60, at age 70, at age 80. I had to start caring about this for my kids now at age three. I should have started caring about it for myself at age 20 and 25 when I was a trainer working 17 hours a day and then going out with his buddies and never sleeping and eating junk food. This is something that I should have thought about a long time ago because I'm already at an increased risk because of how I lived my life in my early 20s. So I'm hoping that the way I'm living my life now will give me a better chance, will offset some of those decisions. And luckily I'm in my 30s and hopefully I do have a shot because I do want to be there for my kids and my grandchildren later on, just like my dad is. But I've got to take this stuff seriously. Cancer. Cancer is a tough one because there's just so much we don't know about cancer still. And you know that I, I saved it for last because it's the reason I got into this. It's what my dad suffered from. And there are 1.8 million, million cancers, new cases a year, 1.8 million. 158 people out of every 100,000 people will die a year from cancers. Now, how many would get it anyway? I don't know. But here's what I do know. I do know the cancer's on the rise. It's been on the rise for a long time. And while some are actually on the decrease now, I should say that, in all fairness. If you look at the past 20, 30 years, cancers are on the rise and is part of it just because of research and being able to look for certain things? Of course. Now, we have the know of what to look for. Testing is different. People are looking to see if they have cancer, so we're catching things. But there's other reasons. Diets have changed. 
technology has changed, what goes into our food has changed, the amount of medications we are taking has changed. And while I have, I've never considered myself a conspiracy theorist, I will also be the first to say that there are, you know, there are things with the Food and Drug Administrations that we cannot deny. The truth is they're businesses. And just like any business, they've got to survive. They've got to make money. And making money is the priority. And it costs a lot of money nowadays to use all the right ingredients and to only give medications to who absolutely needs it. If only the people that absolutely need medication took medication, most of these companies wouldn't survive. They wouldn't have a big enough client base. There has to be a business side of getting more people to take these medications. And that's just the truth of it. That we have to put worse ingredients in the food because they're cheaper to get and because they're cheaper to make and they're cheaper to put in and their margins are bigger. Now, if you want to call that a conspiracy theorist type of thing or not, that's up to you, but it is the truth. And it is very logical to believe that would be the case. So we cannot put our life into the hands of these decision makers. We have to do our own part to eat the right things and to seek out the right ingredients because even the foods that look the right may not be coming from the best source. And, you know, the stuff that I want to, I want to avoid talking about in detail today, because these are things that I want my guests to talk about. This is why I have the podcast. This is why I want you to keep listening week in and week out, because I want my very qualified, more qualified than me guests to be the ones that talk about these details. Accidents. Let's link some things here. Accidents are the third leading cause of death in the world. And what falls under an accident? Drug overdoses, car accidents, falls. Okay. So I'm a parent. Many of you out there are parents. And if you're not, you could still relate with the approach that would come to avoiding these accidents. Well, just be careful, right? Right. If you wear your seatbelt, you decrease the risk of having a car accident. If you stay out of certain circles, you decrease the risk of taking drugs in the first place. So you decrease the risk of, of having issues with drugs and alcohol. Falls. You know, I mean, it depends what kind of fall you, you're talking about, but you know, if I, don't, if I don't walk next to a high cliff, I can't fall off the high cliff, right? There's things that you can be careful of that would avoid these things. What I'm trying to ask of people in this podcast is to be careful in very specific ways. Be careful with the foods you eat. Be careful with the sleep you get. Be careful with your amount of stress. Be careful with the circles you keep. Be careful with how you plan your week because these levels of be careful would decrease your risk of respiratory disease and dementia and cancer and heart disease and stroke, just like being careful will help you decrease your risk of these other accidents. Be careful. That's the message here. Just be careful. So where do I go from here? Looking at my, my plethora of notes that I have in front of me. You know, again, the, the goal of today was for you to get to know me a little bit and my thought process and, and why I'm doing this podcast. And I also didn't want to come across as preachy because that's not the goal here. You know, I want to come across as helpful and that's what I want this podcast to be. And I hope that's what you get out of this. So maybe that's also a good time to, to end it. I hope this podcast helps people. I hope this episode uh, helped you dive a little bit into, into what, I'm, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And in the coming months, you know, I'll probably do this again, where maybe I'll come in with a more specific topic that I want to talk about. But for today, that's it. That's it. Just wanted you to know about me and, and why I'm doing what I'm doing. And hopefully this gives you a reason to listen further. Hopefully it gives you a reason to share the link and the podcast with your friends and family, because hopefully you're seeing that over time, it's, it's going to be really helpful and hopefully life-changing. Not because of me, but because of the guests that I'll have to have on and because of the messages that I know they're going to be spreading. So 
For those that have stuck with me to the end of this episode, send me your comments, info at marhealthandperformance.com. I have a Facebook page. I have my Instagram. You can direct message me on either of those pages. But go on, message me, ask me questions. I'm always going to be there for my listeners. That's a promise I'll make today. Well, I still have very few of them. <laughs> but, uh, but as it grows, this is something that's important to me. People that want fitness help, come to my company. Come to Mar Health and Performance. MarHealthAndPerformance.com is the website. You can find the business social media pages through my personal social media pages. Ryan Lavagnac is my business partner. You can find us through him. But um, if you're someone that needs help, listen to the podcast, find us directly, ask. But that's what I'm here for. And that's what I want. That's what I want. I don't want to call it a legacy. But if, if, I, can, if I can picture an ideal of what I'm remembered for and the impact that I've made in this industry um, and on this planet long-term, it's hopefully I'm someone that spread a good message and, and was here to help you. So I will end it there. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for listening as always. Thank you for sharing. Please rate and review. That's something that helps me a lot is to, you know, to share the podcast and rate and review it and let me know what you think because I need feedback. The more feedback I get, the better I can make this. So I will stop rambling. You, everyone, have a good week and a good month. And I will see you with a phenomenal guest. I'm really excited about the next few guests. So I'll see you the next few weeks back to the regular scheduled program. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast. Find more episodes like this at www.lifestyleasmedicinepodcast.com and visit www.marhealthandperformance.com and at marhealthandperformance on both Facebook and Instagram for more great content and information about programs. Have a great day and see you next time.